Let's thank them once again for leading us in worship today. Amen. Amen. Great job, you guys. Great job. Well, welcome in uh, once again. Um, that's an gr- example of a group right there. Uh, that's just one of the groups here at, at, at Lindsay Lane. And so uh, when you get in a group, again, there, there's some things we hear about uh, cross campuses. At, e- at East, sometimes we would hear this. Well, we, we do like the main campus, but, you know, sometimes we're looking for a, a smaller church. Well, I hope it's never a church's plan to stay small. And we would tell them that. <laughs> well, that's great, but hang on, because uh, it's God's desire to reach people, so hopefully the, the church will grow. But if you're here today and you're hoping that the church here, the main campus, gets smaller, one of the best ways to do that is get in a group. When you get in a group, the church gets smaller, you begin to study the Bible together, help one another. And, and just as an example of how fun those groups can be, why don't we just have another commercial <laughs> right now? We tried to connect her to last church, but we just didn't feel welcomed. We wanted a place to hang out and be real and loved it from the first visit. You've seen the billboards. You've heard the name. Other churches may think it's funny, but at Lindsay Lane, we're not chasing folks down in the parking lot for some attendance number. We focused on one changed life at a time. We came in and we really didn't know anyone. But these friends really made us feel at home. This church stuff was new to me, but Connect Group has changed my life. Have you been looking for a place to connect, a place to hang out, a place where you can study the Bible and apply it to your life while all along making lifelong friends? Well, call me Lindsay Lane. (laughs) Pretty good, pretty good. Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1 is what we'll be today, and as you're turning in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1, today begins a family series here at Lindsay Lane for the next month. Brother Dusty and I will be uh, preaching on the family uh, for the the next four Sundays, and so we'll look here in Ruth chapter 1, reading together through verse 7, and the scripture says that in the days when the judges ruled in Israel... A severe famine came upon the land, so a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Apathrites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malin and Kilion died. And this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. When her two daughters-in-law, she set out with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Lord, thank you for your word. God, I am so reminded of how grateful we are to have your word, your heart, your mind in front of us. 
So, Lord, help us to communicate the things that you value. Lord, help us to communicate your truth out of your word. Spirit of God, would you guide us into all truth? Lord, again, fix us where we're broken. Help us, Lord, where times are difficult. Lord, if we are going into a family, God, give us a good foundation. And, Lord, all of us represent a different family dynamic. So minister to each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to jump right into it, if you read verses 1 through 7 with me, and I realized as I was reading and heard your pages turn that I needed to fix that because I never gave you time to turn there. So, so we'll read it again. I'm just kidding. But, but next time we'll give you time to, uh, time to turn there. But if you're reading with me in verses 1 through 7, you realize very quickly that the Bible acknowledges a broken world. I'm going to make that point clear again, that the Bible acknowledges a broken world. It often begins in a very good way. You, you've got a couple that falls in love. You've got Elimelech and Naomi, husband and wife, and they are united in marriage, and their love leads them to having two sons, Malin and Kilion, a family of four. It's a storybook situation. And they are living on love, and they are living the dream, and in this particular context, they are even a part of a godly culture. They're living in Bethlehem and Judah. And then as we read, you realize that things begin to change. A severe famine comes upon their homeland. In Bethlehem, which influenced them to leave their home and resettle in another land, the land of Moab. The scripture says, and pay attention to a key word here. The scripture says, so a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. And what happens next? After the famine, after the relocation, then Naomi's beloved husband dies. The scripture says... And Naomi was left with her two sons. Time moves on. Time does help. Amen. Time, God uses time in that way to help when things are broken. Time moves on. Her two sons marry wives. And for about ten years, things are getting better. And then what happens next? Both of Naomi's sons die. And the scripture says this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Do you ever feel like everybody else has called a ride and on their way and you've been left? Life ever felt like that for you? Does it ever feel like, the scripture even says that the word, the, the word left, if you study it, that word often describes survival. You ever, you ever feel like that, that when everybody else is moving on and they're on their way to a destination and it seems like that everybody on TV and everybody on Facebook and everybody across the pictures that we see that are posted are all thriving and you're really just surviving. That's the place that your life is in. And whether or not you're there now, we've all been there because the Bible acknowledges a broken world. This is the world that Naomi is living in. It's broken. She was in that place where even the good moments feel like there's something missing. Even the good times in life have a history of pain. And it seemed just like when the time was beginning to help, she'd be left again to put pieces back together, experiencing something that would leave her wanting. Now think of what's been discussed here in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Famine, relocation, displacement, death, untimely death, and loneliness. And you see, the scripture puts it in verses 1 through 5 to give us kind of a context of where we're going. But if you look in verses 1 through 5, it puts death, displacement, untimely death, loneliness, famine, all in kind of a snapshot. But if you're inside of those circumstances, it feels very different than just a snapshot. Because when you're going through famine, there's hunger. And when you've been displaced, there's frustration. 
And when you're experiencing death, there's grief. And when you have loneliness, there's despair. And we know as we read further in Ruth that the, the, these family were the people of God. They were the Israelites. This was God's chosen people sent to bring blessing into the world. They, God was going to use this line, this people, to usher the Messiah into the world. So, so what is the deal? If this is, if this is God's chosen, if, the, if we are your people, God, then what are we going through? The world that we live in is broken. It's fallen. And there are great times of life that God gives us, and those times are to be enjoyed. But because of sin, life is never like the movies, and oftentimes it's a mess. This is the reality that we live in. And I want to give you a biblical truth that will provide for you an explanation of why bad things happen, an explanation of, of why things are the way that they are in your context, a biblical truth that also could be a warning of what's to come. Wherever there is sin, there is separation. Let me say that again. Wherever there is sin, there is separation. This explains in the scripture why a newlywed couple with two sons leave their home during a famine. This explains why marriage is parted by death. This explains why women become widows. This explains why a family is split apart and it's left broken and hurting. Because of the inherited nature of sin from Adam all the way back in Genesis. That's the biblical truth. The reason why we experience all this brokenness, everything that you can name right now, that's an evidence of broken in your life now or an evidence of brokenness in your family's history... Or where your family's headed is all relative to sin. Wherever there is sin, there is a separation. Now, it may be that what you experience in regards to family pain is not a direct consequence of your sin, but it is a direct consequence of sin in the world. It is a direct result of sin just infiltrating the culture that we live in. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible explains the brokenness of the world. Listen to verse 12, Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Adam's sin brought separation. So separation, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. If, if today you're feeling that our family was supposed to be this, and now it's this. Or if you're thinking today that what we had in mind for our family to be is not that anymore. And the reason is definitely relative to the brokenness that sin causes. It, it, it is exactly that. In Romans chapter 8 verse 20, the first part of that verse says, Against its will, all creation was subject to the curse of God. Against its will, all creation. This is why there is brokenness in our families of every kind. Now this is heavy, isn't it? This is heavy. I think this is a good place for a commercial break. Our. Our. Class. Our. Our. Class. Our. Rocks. Our. Class. Our. Rocks. Our. Our. Class. Rocks. Our. Class. Rocks our last rocks our last rocks. This class is for you. Pretty good, pretty good. I didn't realize how we would transition in and out of points with commercials, but it is what it is, so just just go with it. 
So we know that the Bible acknowledges broken families. We've seen that in the scripture leading up to where we are now. And here's the truth of it. If the Bible acknowledges that there are broken families because of sin, or if there's a broken world, a broken world leads to broken families. Amen? Broken world leads to broken families. Next week, I'd like to take a minute to introduce you to my family. Uh, we will, I don't know how we're going to do that yet, but I'd like for you to, to meet us and, and know who we are. Uh, but this week, before we show pictures of who we are and I introduce my wife and kids and all those things, uh, I'd rather you just know on the front that we're a real family just like you. And so when the scripture teaches that there's a broken world and broken world have broken families, we're not an exception to that. Brittany and I have a real marriage. A real marriage. Our real marriage has been really through difficult times. We have real children. Sometimes parenting is a challenge. As we share these moments and talking to some of you adults all the time. Sometimes family life is hard. It's not easy. Brittany and I both have, have experienced death in our families. We know what it's not like to lose someone very close to you. And it hurt. And it hurt for a long time. And so we're no exception. We just want you to know that, that we're right in that with you. And our brokenness may not look the same as yours. But we still have brokenness or have, have had it. And we've had to go through repairs. We've had to have restoration this is what our family looks like. And I'm guaranteeing that it looks much like what yours look like. Just a brokenness of some kind. And if you look in the Bible, you'll find brokenness in families throughout. From cover to cover. It, the first murder was a brother-to-brother killing. A- and then, if you keep reading, the scriptures refer to a father getting drunk and taking it out on his family. Taking it out on his boys. There's a record of an untimely death. A son who died before his father. There's record, many records, in fact, of a woman who was unable to become pregnant and have children. There was brokenness in her heart and in her life. There's a narrative about a husband who had his wife pose as his sister to save his own neck. And so all these things are found in the scripture. And what I think you might find interesting to note is all those examples that I just gave are all found in the first 12 chapters of Genesis. We didn't even make it out of the first half of Genesis yet. So the scripture teaches that broke, there's a broken world, broken because of sin. Where there's sin, there's separation. And because of sin, there's broken families. And it may look different in your context and in mine, but there's brokenness just the same. Broken families are a result of the world in which we live. Or, and this is a key point, broken families are a result of the world in which we live. Or, because of willful choices. We've made decisions that have broken it. It's not been a result of it being in the world. It's been a result of us being within ourselves and making selfish decisions. Meaning sometimes death and circumstances are not warranted, but sometimes we get left because we are ignoring the warnings and we get what we pay for. That's the truth of it this morning. The the scripture I was reading yesterday in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1 Proverbs chapter 1 talks about uh, the wickedness of people. It talks about the sinfulness of people. And it talks about how the, the wicked, the sinful, will set a trap to ambush themselves. That doesn't even make any sense. We're going to set a trap, but that's what happens within our sin. We make decisions. We make choices. We live by our flesh. We live by our feelings. And all of a sudden, we have laid a trap to ambush us and our families. Wherever there is sin, there is separation. Elimelech made some poor choices. First of all, he led his family to leave when things got tough. Now, that preaches before we even need to move, doesn't it? Because we know family life is tough. 
And Elimelech made the choice to move on when things got tough. In verse 1, the scripture says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. A famine is a prolonged period of hunger. Meaning that any time when what you need is not available, there is want that is left over. And that's a tough time. That's a test of faith. Like when you lose someone or when your marriage has become a roommate situation. When your marriage has become a roommate situation, what you need out of that relationship is now no longer there and it's a famine. And so you're hungry for what the marriage relationship is supposed to give you, but it's a famine in your marriage, in your family, and so you're left to make a decision about what to do next. It's like when you're waiting on family. It's like when you're mourning and grieving somebody that's been lost. It's just happened to you. It's a tough time, a tough situation. It's a test of faith. Now, why was there a famine in Bethlehem? Because you might find it interesting to note that the Hebrew word for Bethlehem means house of bread. So why in God's house of bread was there a famine in the promised land country and home base? We could all say things like, this was never supposed to be this way for us. It could be the result of just living in the world. Yes, it could be the result famine happens because this world is riddled with sin. But it could also be that we are under the discipline of God. These were the covenant people of God. And there was famine in their land. And during the time of Judges, if you study the scripture, this is mentioned in the first verse that where they were at was in the time of Judges. The people of God then were wavering between devotion and corruption. Wavering between worship and wickedness. Wavering between adoration and apathy. They were back and forth, up and down. And it could be that they had a famine just because they were living in the world. Or it could be that God needed to get their attention. To wake them up. And say, I've given you this covenant promise. I've given you the way to follow. I've, I've given you judges in place of what you really need, which is me. But I'll give you a leader if you need it. And here they are. And it's a seesaw kind of life back and forth from adoration to apathy. And when he finally calls them out, they'll come back. And there's brokenness. And regardless of, of why, this was an opportunity for the faithfulness of that family leader. This was an opportunity for Elimelech to show his family, we're going to stand here and trust the God of promise and not leave because it's tough. And what happened? Y'all get in a truck. We're heading on down to the next town. That's what happened. This, this was the covenant people of God. This was the time to show God we're going to trust you even when we can't see what's happening before us. And so he takes them on. God has spent all this time getting his people Israel to this land. And now when a little bit of difficulty comes, we're out. I hope this is resonating with us today. If anybody that's in a family of any kind, there's difficulty because where there's sin, there's separation. And so it's kind of like when we say these things before we get married like this. Well, we believe God's brought us together. And then when it's tough, all of a sudden God didn't bring us together anymore. Yeah. We laugh because we know it's right, but nobody's saying amen. That, that's the truth. Man, we have this marriage ceremony, and we want to honor God, and we take these covenant vows. We hold hands, and we acknowledge God. We want God in our dating, God in our marriage. And the first sign of difficulty, Daddy, it's time for you to make a decision. 
You going to stay and work it out between the Lord and your wife or you going to get everybody in the truck and let's move on and try something else? Again, we don't know how Elimelech died. We don't know that his death was a direct result of sin, but what we do know is this man was under a covenant relationship with God and he left. He left willingly, in fact. And the very consequence, at least, was his family distancing himself where they should have been all along. The second choice that was willful, a willful decision that led to brokenness, was by his sons. He said, while, while away from the land, the land that God had showed them to, the two sons married Moabite women. Now, let's make this clear. Ruth became a believer, and glory to God and good for her. And so we don't need to skip over that point because God used that mightily. We're, we're reading from the book of Ruth right now. But the act of marrying Moabite women was outlawed by God to begin with. Ruth, Ruth, they, were, they were not to be married. The, the two sons, Malin and Kilion, were not to marry Moabite women. God had told them that in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Why not? Because the people of Israel did a good enough job making things terrible themselves. They didn't need anybody else with another God to come in and, and turn it down from there. And so this is why God had told them not to intermarry at this time with unbelievers. Now, once again, we don't know how these two sons died. And their death may have not been a result of them marrying Moabite women. But what we can certainly trace in this family is a pattern of decisions made with disregard for how God set things up to begin with. Now, we need to make something very clear on this. I don't know what everybody's family looks like. I don't know. And we're not talking about forgiving sin. We're not talking about what's happened in your past and the things you've dealt with God over. But what we are talking about is the here and now and the future glory of God and the good of your family. So we're not trying to dig up things that you've been through already. But we are going to preach the truth of God's word. Amen. Just because we've been through things that are sensitive to preach about and talk about, if we do that, we won't talk about anything. We'll never preach anything. There are some things I don't want you to talk to me about, but I know that I need it. And so again, we, I know God, if God has forgiven you, then stand on that forgiveness. And let's take teaching the time to move forward. But what we see here is a pattern of family decision for disregard for God and how God has set things up. And even though God would reach Ruth, even though God would turn things over for his glory and for their good, consequences come when we don't do what God has said. Let me make this point. God showed me this lately. We have all these testimonies about how God has worked in our brokenness. And thank God for that. We have all these testimonies about how we have these, these stories of the things that we used to do and how God overcame that. And glory to God for that. But do y'all know that God can also work in faithfulness and not just brokenness? And I think that's okay if you have a story that where you were faithful to God and God blessed you. Don't be mad at people because they did what God said for them to do and then God set them up for blessing. Man, God can work in your brokenness, yes, but why don't we give God a shot to work in our faithfulness? Why don't we just do what he said and also watch God bless and keep us out of having a story of mess to talk about? Sometimes if you're like me, it takes a long time for me to get to learn that. You know what? Let's just pause one more time for a commercial break. <laughs> oh, no, it's baseball. He's a walker, no baseball. Ooh. 
Braden knows football. John Michael knows cross country. You know Tommy Charlie knows basketball. Ethan knows ball. Bo Jackson? But do you know about Paul? But do you know about Abraham? But do you know about Noah? But do you know about Isaac? But do you know about Daniel? But do you know Jesus? We do. We do. Come hang out with us on Sunday mornings at Lindsay Lions. Good commercial young men as we set this up to bring it home. Broken worlds lead to broken families. Broken worlds lead to broken families. The takeaway today found on your bulletin and the last point of this message is this. Take the road that will lead you back. Take the road that will lead you back. Now look in Ruth chapter 1 verse 6. The scripture says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. Now, we need to stop there and notice that if Naomi is hearing that back in the Lord's land again that he is blessing his people, what that means is, is that they have now repented of their sin and are turning back to God. So if they're hearing of good things going on over there, they're going to go back and hang out where God is blessing. Now, that may be a message in itself. Possibly the part of your brokenness in your family has to do with where you spend the most of your time. If you are spending most of your time in cultures that have brokenness highlighted and embraced and not a spirit of repentance, it may be time to go back home. And we're going to say these over and over again. But the scripture says, So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to their homeland. And with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Again, it's a good place to say this. Before we move forward, I want you to make a note here that you don't need to make family comparisons with anybody. Your your family is what it is. Now, what I'm not saying is is you can decide for yourself and define your family dynamics according to how you feel. We ought to let the Scripture define what a family looks like. Whether that is blended, whether that is a, a husband, wife, and two kids like you saw here whether that is in your single life and your single life and your family looks different. But you don't have to make comparisons between your family and somebody else's family. Your family is what it is. In fact, what we've got here now is we've got Naomi and two daughters-in-law, and that's their family. So can I just offer this? If you are seeking the Lord to lead your family, then you just be proud of your family. Come on in here just like everybody else does. Be encouraged by that. In, verse chapter, in chapter 1, verse 6, Ruth is going to do what Elimelech did not. Now, this ain't a men's conference, but men, here we are. Once again, the lady's going to take care of the mess that the man made. Once again, now, now we can stay here. This is not in my notes, so let's just roll with it. Once again, the lady is going to lead back, even though, even though Naomi has got some work to do with her relationship with the Lord, because she's bitter. You can look at that in times to come, in the chapter to come. But even so, she hears of repentance, 
I don't know where we're going to go from here. There's brokenness. Y'all get your stuff together. The daddy took the truck and left. I'm getting y'all in the car, and we're going back home. Ladies, if the man's trying to lead, let him lead. But men, don't get mad at the women if you ain't done nothing, and they're taking the truck and going back home. And you've got to work those things out. You've got to work them out. If one person needs to stand down so that the other can stand up, then you've got to communicate about those things. You've got to talk about those things. But I thank God for godly mamas that will get their family together and do the things that they need to do. I thank God for godly daddies that understand their responsibility not just to talk about it, but to be about it. Now what's done is done here in their family. And again, Naomi had things to work out in her heart before the Lord, but no more running away. No more running from purpose. No more not dealing with the pain. It's time now to go home. I read this this week. When God strips us of worldly contentments, straightway our mind is homeward. Now it's time to return. Naomi now leading her family, living outside the land of promise, Outside of blessing. Verse 7 says, With two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Your translation may say this, They went on the way to return. This phrasing means to turn back. It's a signature of repentance. Well, it's too late for us. It's too late for our family to turn back. Is it, or you just don't want to deal with it? That's, that's really part of the reason why we would rather just sign some things and get it over with is because we know it's going to be hard to work it out. So we don't. It's too late for us. We've gone too far. Have you? Or maybe you just don't know the steps to take towards restoration. And some of you might now, in, in repaired instances of family, could say, had God been able to get a shot at us to repair us years to come, we would not be in this situation now. And again, God can take brokenness and turn it over for his glory. But now is the time to hear that God also works in faithfulness. So if there's famine in your family, instead of leaving, why not at least seek someone that you think could help to help you according to God's word? We're just too broken. Are you? Or is it just easier to leave it broken and try to start something else? The scripture says, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Notice that it does not say that they teleported them back to Judah. Meaning that when they got on the road to lead them back, it took time. Yesterday, I'm in the truck with my dad. I'm coming back from a basketball game. I left in his truck a few uh, weeks ago. I was like, oh, there that is. And so this is kind of a cord that connects my phone to the truck and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure Bluetooth is cool too. I don't know. I'd, whatever. So and you can see now how, how I, I worked at, at trying to untangle this, and it's still a, a tangled mess. But I started working on this yesterday. <laughs> yes, there's friends of mine in here. I know I'm not a handyman. I can do this. No big deal. But, but still, this yesterday looked like this. And when we see things that are twisted up and broken like this, we want to microwave our time and it look like this. Not like this, but a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, that would have been a really cool magic trick had it just... 
<clears throat> but we want to see, now it's hanging off my jacket, there's all things happening. We, we want to see this happen. We want to see these straight lines happen when we snap our fingers. Y'all better settle in because God works over time. So if, if you're wanting to lead your family back to your home, back to where it should have been to begin with, or if you're wanting to lead your family for the first time to where it needs to be, settle in. Because God works over time. Sanctification is a process. That's how we learn to trust Him. Through all these things. And while there are ups and downs... And when we're faithful and when we're unfaithful, we talked about this on Wednesday night, which when we gather, the scripture says when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. God will work out what is broken in our life. Isaiah chapter 55, chapter 55 verse 7 says, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. God's got to work on your thoughts. That happens over time. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will, be, he will forgive them generously. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 5, Unless you repent, you too will perish. If your family does not turn around and you're going through a broken time, you too will perish. You'll become a statistic. And instead of standing and giving testimony to what God has done in your life, you'll have to at least endure a season to when he puts it back together. God works so much on the front end of sin. Let this message be a, a warning, yes, but also let it be an encouragement. The, the, the whole book of Ruth is about how God redeems, about how he buys back his people, how he delivers his people and gives them new life. Where there is sin, there's separation. Where there is God, there's restoration. Jesus died so that we might be forgiven of sin. And thank God. But he didn't just die so that we would be forgiven of sin. He died so that we would be broken or breaking, broken free from not just the, the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. When you understand that in your life, that God is just trying to forgive you every once in a while, but that he's trying to give you power in your life to overcome the things that trip you up, that's when the game changes. Sometimes it's time to go back home. I remember listening to a older and wiser gentleman tell me about his son. His son came to him and he said, I, I believe I found the college for me. This is the college where I want to major in this. and I'm going to get my education. It's going to set me on the path towards success. And so he begins to uh, work out a deal with his dad about why he should go there and finally convinces him. The son goes off to college. Six months later... The good times go up and the graves go down. Anybody can testify to that. And I remember talking to this dad. I was laughing as he was telling me this story. I said, well, how did he finish up there? And you know what he said? He said, finish up there? He said, I brought his tail home. It's a true story. True story. In fact, I tell that because this, this guy has a great success story today. And a lot of that is part due to when his father made the decision, it was time for him to come back. And he submitted to the will of the father. God can get your attention through brokenness. Yeah, he can. But he'd rather us just be faithful. Things truly didn't get better for Naomi until she returned to God where repentance was. And the truth is, is things didn't really get better for Ruth until she believed God for the first time. When the God of Naomi became her God that we'll look at next week.
Things really didn't get better in their family until they gave their brokenness over to the Lord. And so maybe the message for you and your family today is that when it's broken, don't leave. Go home. Return to the Lord. Or maybe for the first time, you just really realize you don't have all the answers. And you don't know exactly what it needs to look like. But your family is not on the road that's leading you towards peace and prosperity. So you need to believe God for the first time. You need to believe God for the first time. You need God in your family. We've seen so many young families come to our campus churches over the last six years. And one of the reasons that they are stepping into the church is because they are there because their family needs help. If you are here today because of that, glory to God and amen. That's the first step that we know of that's going to help our family. We need to what? We hear this all the time. We need to get back in church. Now, church, if young families are getting back into this place to help be repairing of their families, then the church that exists and God is working on you, you need to make time and be open and be here to help somebody else. You need to be here to pour into them while they get in a group. If they visit your group on Sunday and you ain't in there and you had not been there for six weeks, how can you help that young family that wants to get back to God? This is, this is where it happens. This is where it happens. So it could be that you need to go back home. And I'd love to invite you to this altar to start right there. You may not have all the answers, but you know you just need to bow together as a family and pray. Lord, we need your help moment by moment, minute by minute. How often do we need to talk to God? How often do we need to call on God? How often do we need to seek God's word for the restoration of our family? Well, how often do you struggle? That's how often then. Amen. That's how often then. Let's bow our heads together. I want to let you know that this altar is a place for you to cry out to God. And as you're sitting there, I I want you to know this. Everybody in here is not in a different world than you. We have people here that would love to help you through some of the things that are going on. And they're available for you. But also, just start with humbling yourself before God at this altar. There's nothing that says you have to be here for this at the altar to start with. But there's something special about getting on your knees before God. And crying out for the Lord to do only what He can do. God works inside of our hearts. That's where the real change comes. When our hearts begin to be pliable and God can mold us, this is where change begins to happen. When the men lay down their pride that they've got all the answers that they've tried before and they're tired of trying and all these things, when God works on your heart, He'll change all that. And for the women who have hardened hearts and they're sick of it and they're ready to ship out. Only God can change your heart, so start there. Start there. Seek the Lord. And then let the church help. So this altar is open for you. You don't have to wait till we stand and give a call. You can make your way right on down to pray for your family. But if, if you're like Ruth and, and you need to believe God for the first time, no matter where you are, if your family feels like it's too far gone or your situation is out of reach, if you feel like you'll never have the family that other people have, 
and this is the first time you've really ever given God a shot at it, why don't you come? Why don't you come and let someone talk with you? Tell you how to be right with God and know it and have that relationship first before you ever seek any other one. Lord, as we come to you now, some of us are hearts broken. Some of us even doubting that any of this is true and that even you could work things out. Lord, would you break down our walls, help us where we struggle. No matter what our family looks like, Lord, would you give us faith to believe that you can work all these things out. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we praise you for sending your son and giving of yourself so that we might be forgiven of brokenness that we've created and so that we may experience new life. And Lord, the true way to know you is to place faith in your way of being known in Jesus. So Lord, take us through this time of invitation. If we need to pray, let us pray. If we need to praise, let us praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand to your feet. This altar is open for you. We have pastors available for you. We have people here to help you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught.